Get your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And um, I always like to preach challenging messages in January. And I'll admittedly tell you that many times my January messages are not the most popular. Later in the year, I will preach some things that people love and they will get lots of views and shares on YouTube. And that's wonderful to see my January messages because I'm ready to, to, to have the best year. And I want to talk about having the best year. And I want to talk about, you know, some things and be challenging and all that. So I'll just warn you. Today's message, it may not give you tons of warm fuzzies, but you're already here and we've locked the doors. Might as well stay. Um, but I will promise you this, that what I want to share today is going to be very helpful. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 16. Um, do you guys, over the holidays, uh, I didn't get to watch this particular movie, but I love to watch, y'all like to watch holiday movies or just good movies over the holidays. I love to watch good movies over the holidays to watch. I don't know. There's just something about hanging out with your Christmas tree lights on, watching a good movie, drinking, you know, some coffee or hot chocolate or something like that. It's just a wonderful thing. Um, but um, so I didn't watch this movie, but you may have. Has anybody seen The Princess Bride? Have you seen The Princess Bride? Um, you know, and it has Fezzik, who was Andre the Giant, right, and Vicini. You know, which, you know, is just never messes with a Sicilian when death is on the line. You know, this guy. And then, and we all know Inigo Montoya, right? Hello, you killed my father. Prepare to die. You know, and I would say to him, hello, I'm Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Um, so anyways, um, well, as, as, as getting ready for this message, I thought about this actually has something to do with the message. They're like, what is he talking about now? Um, but as I get ready for this message that I want to share today, I thought about a scene in the movie, and it's where the Dread Pirate Roberts, who we know is actually Wesley, but they don't know that, is chasing Vicini and Fezzik and Inigo Montoya because they've been hired by Prince Humperdinck to basically off Princess Buttercup. I know this is very deep theolo theologically speaking, this is a lot. Um, and so they're, they get to the, the big cliffs, and, and Andre the Giant, you know, Fezzik carries Vicini and Anil Matoya and Buttercup up the cliff on this big rope. And then, you know, the Dread Pirate Roberts, who's Wesley, who's chasing them down because he's in love with Buttercup. Anyways, he's coming up the rope, and so when they get to the top, Vicini cuts the rope, and they expect him to fall, but now he's climbing up the rocks. And Vicini says, what? He didn't fall? Inconceivable, you know? Um, and then Anigo Montoya says, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. And I thought about that, and that's really what I want to talk about, because I think there are some words that we've lost the meaning of in our culture that we use and say and, and, and even express or claim to live or be in our culture. Uh, let me say it this way. One of the biggest problem, one of the biggest concerns maybe that I have with culture, and, and you've heard me say this, but in, in culture, my concern is Christianity has become very popular. Now that's not the concern. That's wonderful. The problem is popular Christianity is not very biblical. So so we've got Christianity has become miles wide and a millimeter deep. And we've kind of superimposed cultural values into Christianity. 
And it's a concern because I will hear Christian people talking and they are confused about things that God was not confused about. That he was emphatically clear about. But yet we're like, oh, there's, there's probably some gray here, you know, just probably didn't mean it that way. I'm like, but, but, but that's what he said. Who am I to say, God, I know you said this, but you probably didn't mean it because if you meant it, I would have to change and I don't want to change. So it's just easier to say, you didn't mean what you said. And I think God's up there like, I, like I'm real clear on this, guys. I'm not nearly as confused as you're making this. It's not nearly as difficult to understand as you're making this. And, you know, and, and Spirit Girl 683 has got her YouTube channel and Bible Guy 847. And none of them know anything about anything. But, but they literally are essentially superimposing cultural values and ideas and concepts into biblical text and and. And, and it's like, all of a sudden, it's like, you know, when we throw around words like, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm like, you keep using that word. I'm not sure you, it means what you think it means. Right? I'm not sure. We, you know, we used to have a word called disciple in the church. Like, what does it mean to be a disciple? We don't have this word anymore. We don't, we don't use it a lot anymore. It's not a popular word anymore. There's a lot of words in the Bible that aren't popular anymore. They don't go very well with popular Christianity because they would express that I can't live the way that I want to live, do what I want to do. They don't express that Jesus understands all my sin and it's okay as it is. They don't, they don't express things that, they express things like I'm, I'm supposed to actually change and mature and grow and act like Jesus, right? So today, here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk, that's what I call the message, what follow means. What follow means. Let's pray together because we're going to need some help. God, we just thank you for your word. And God, we ask that you speak to us today and help us to hear you. And God, let your truth, God, let it change us because that's what it's supposed to do. Your truth calls us to change and transformation. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. amen. You keep using that word. I'm not sure it means what you think it means. What does it mean to follow? Because there's a lot of people, you know, in our culture, even the word follow, it, you know, there are words like, I, I won't say the word because it's a whole thing. It's not a bad word, but my kids encountered a person in the world and they were describing this encounter with this person and they used this word that I thought, I know what that word means. And, and they're like, no, Dad, that's not what it means. It actually, this is what it means now. I'm like, oh, and here I'm back to, you keep using that word. <laughs> um, and so words kind of, they kind of change meaning. And nowadays, if you, to follow someone, like you, you can follow people on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook or whatever. And you just, you know, click the button and it's a, it's a digital thing. I just click the button and that means it puts their stuff in my feed so I can check in on what they're doing from time to time. And I'm following them. Now, I didn't change anything about my life. I just decided to check in on their life occasionally when I look at social media or every five minutes when I look at social media. And so the word follow is a little different today than what it meant when we're talking about when Jesus said, 
follow me. Because he wasn't talking about, hey, just click on my feed so you can keep up with me every time I make a post. In case you like it, you can like it. Or if you don't like it, then you can become one of those, one of those people that it's like they're only, it's like, I think there are people like this. There are people that their only job is to get on social media and make posts about what they don't like about your post. It's incredible to me. I'm like, who even asked you? Why do I even care what you say? Um, so what does it mean to follow? Here's the great thing. When we're talking about following, this is what I think. Here's a, it's kind of a crazy concept when you think about it. And that's sarcasm. Maybe I shouldn't be so sarcastic. But what if we went to the Bible and, and we started looking at these terms and these things from the Bible? And what if we started saying, you know what? We're just let Jesus tell us what he meant when he said follow. Like, wouldn't that help us get it right? Like, when Jesus is talking about, hey, come follow me, and we're talking about, I want to be a follower of Jesus, what if we let Jesus define what follower was? Then that would be very clear. Here's the great thing. In Matthew 16, Jesus expressly, clearly, emphatically, without any shadow of doubt, tells us what it means to follow him. So, like, if we want to be a Christ follower, if I want to follow Jesus, that's really what I want, here's the great thing. He left nothing up for, n- nothing up for debate. There's no room for confusion. He was very clear on what it means to follow him. That's what I want to talk about today. Matthew 16, 24, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would follow me, that's what one version says. This version says, Come after me. But um, other versions say, Follow me. Said, if anyone would follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, I just want to pause right there because we're going to spend most of our time really on verse 24. But I want you to understand when we look at verse 25, here's what Jesus He's like, hey, here's a secret to life. If you do it your way, you're going to lose. If you'll do it my way, you can't lose. So this is very much grace. Jesus is full of grace, but he's also full of truth, right? All grace and no truth is meaningless. All truth and no grace is mean. When you have grace and truth, it's very meaningful, right? So Jesus is full of grace and truth. He wasn't part grace, part truth, 100% grace, 100% truth. And here's what Jesus is saying. I know what I'm telling you is difficult, but you need to understand there are only two options. You can lose your life or it can be saved. If you try to live your way, do it your way. Whatever you hold on to in your hands, you will lose. Whatever you place in my hands, you can never lose. And so it's a very gracious thing he's explaining this. And he says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is coming, the Son of Man is going to come with the angels in his glory of the Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he's done. Look at that, he will repay. We've talked about that recently, but but God is a rewarder. He's going to repay. How, how, what we do with our salvation determines how we're rewarded for all eternity. It's not just getting to heaven, but, but it's how I lived here determines how I live there. What I believe here determines where I spend eternity, but what I do with what I believe determines how I spend eternity. That's the truth of it. So truly I say there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. 
If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This is what it means. What does that mean? Follow me. What does that mean? Here's what Jesus tells us. Four things. We'll go through them pretty quickly. Four words when we're talking about following Jesus. Number one, desire. Number one, desire. If any man wants to, anybody wants to, this is, this is where, basically, it's where everything starts. Everything starts with desire. You're here today. You know why you're here today? There was a desire. There was a desire to be here. Now, maybe someone brought you here, but you still had to decide to go along with it, right? Really, when you think about it, desire is just to realize we have a need. The reason we follow Jesus really comes back to desire. That's the reason everybody follows Jesus. Because no one's forced into following Jesus. So everyone has to freely choose to follow Jesus. Which means you chose to follow Jesus because that's the decision you wanted to make. You desired that. And there's a lot of good reasons to follow Jesus, are there not? I mean, truthfully, I, I hate to say this, some, some messages make it sound very transactional. Like I've, been, I've heard some like, you can follow Jesus or you can burn in hell. Okay, let me think. Follow Jesus, burn in hell. You know, you feel like Forrest Gump. I'm not a smart man. <laughs> But I don't feel like burning in hell is what I want to do. Unfortunately, that makes it very transactional. But the truth is, Jesus in some degree is okay with that because Jesus offers things we need, like life. I came that you might have life. So he's saying, hey, here's a reason to follow me. I can give you what you were created for, which is life. I can give you peace no matter what you're dealing with. I can give you joy no matter what your circumstance is. Like, I, I will be with you. You will never be alone. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I can grant you forgiveness, and I can cleanse your conscience. I can offer you purpose, and I can offer you fulfillment. Those are all reasons that we follow Jesus, and they're all good reasons. And they initiate in us that desire, like, I want to be forgiven. I want to be loved. I want purpose. I sure want some joy and peace in this crazy world, right? I, I, I want to follow him. It starts with desire. But see, now this is where Jesus delineates from culture. Because I think where culture is at is, if you want to follow Jesus, all you got to have, you just got to want to. Just I'm a Christian. I want to be. So I'm a Christian, so I'm going to follow him, and, and I want the good things that he does. I want the joy, I want the peace, the purpose, all that. I desire to follow him, so therefore I'm a follower, but that's not where Jesus stopped. He didn't say, if anyone wants to come after me, just come on. It'd be great if he stopped there, wouldn't it? And doesn't it kind of feel like that's in our culture, like everybody's a Christian because they just say, I'm a Christian, Right? I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. I want to be forgiven. I, I want purpose. I want peace. I want joy. But the problem is he didn't stop with desire. He got to the next point. The next point was denial. Because here's what he said. Follow him. If you want to, if you want to follow, if you have the desire, follow me. But, but if you have the desire, desire has to lead you to denial. This is where Jesus' idea of following him, I think, very much differentiates between maybe our cultural understanding of what it means to follow him. He's saying, hey, it's not about putting Hillsong or, or Elevation Worship on your playlist. It's not about a bumper sticker on your car or a really awesome Bible verse tattoo. 
No, no, no. Desire has to take you somewhere else. Desiring to follow Jesus has to lead you to denial. If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself. Notice it says, here's, it, oh, it's such good, deny himself. Notice he didn't say, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny chocolate. I'm personally grateful that that's not the requirement. All right? Like, he is not talking about Lent where we give up something, right? He's not talking about going without something. In other words, if you want to come after me, then you got to give up, fill in the blank. He's not saying deny chocolate or deny peanut butter or deny social media or deny using um, unapproved cuss words because there are Christian cuss words we're allowed to use. There are unapproved cuss words that we're technically not allowed to use. I'll put a list later on social media. (laughs) Um, Stink, (laughs) shoot, those are all fine. If you need an S word, you know, let's go with stink or shoot. Darn, it's, it's a little sketchy. It depends. If you're Pentecostal, no. I think if you're Baptist, you can use darn. Um, but he said, it's not I want you to deny things. I want you to deny you. I want you to deny who you are. This, this word, deny, let any man come after me, let him deny himself, is the same word that he used with Peter when he said, tonight, you will deny me three times. It means to disown or disavow, to, to say, I have no association with, to say, I'm not going to live by, live in accordance with. In, in other words, it, it's, it's this this, this denial of autonomy. It's a denial of self-rule, of self-will, of selfish desires, our self-plans, our self-sufficiency, our even independence. It's a disavowing of your life the way, the, the way that you want to live your life. It, it's, a incredibly strong, it's an incredibly strong statement. In, in fact, um, if you think about it, it's very different than culture because culture, here's what culture says, indulge yourself. Embrace yourself. Here's what Jesus says, deny yourself. <laughs> These are not the same, right? Not the same. What's interesting about Jesus is he seems to make the case For the idea and concept, in fact, it's really all through the New Testament, that it is possible for me to desire something that is not holy. Did you know that? It is possible for me to have strong feelings and urges that are not holy. And the fact that I have those strong feelings and strong unholy urges, even though I said, well, I desire to follow Jesus, what he calls me to do is to disown myself and to disown feelings. Are you telling me that Jesus would tell me some of my feelings are not okay? Yes, that is what I'm telling you. 
It is possible to feel something that's incongruent with the truth of God's word. It is possible to have a desire that's incongruent with God's plan and God's best. It is possible to have an attraction that is not congruent with the way God intended creation to work. And we have this popular Christianity that seems to express that our feelings are God And that God is okay with our feelings because if God created me this way, well, God, God created you, but we're all fallen, we're all broken because of the fall. And because we're fallen and we're broken because of the fall, it is possible that we think things that God doesn't think we should think. We think things about ourselves that God doesn't think we should think. We have very negative thoughts about ourselves when God's thoughts for us are higher and numerous and great and full of love and full of grace and full of hope and full of purpose. I know the plans I have for you. They're good plans. They're hope-filled plans. They're fulfillment-filled plans. And we're over here like, I'm a terrible person. God's like, you're not a terrible person. We have thoughts that are incongruent with how God thinks about us. But we also can have feelings. And we can have desires that are not holy. Right? And you say, well, how do I know what desires are holy or not? Well, this is why we have the Bible. This is why we have the Holy Spirit. This is why these things are good. Because God, this is why we follow. Because if we follow Jesus, we have to deny some of our thoughts, some of our desires, some of our feelings as they give way to the truth of God's word and the prompting and the leading of the Holy Spirit and the power of God's grace that transforms us. See, people say, well, Jesus accepts you just as you are. Yes, he does, but Jesus has never left anyone where he found them. So you're right. Jesus will accept you right where you are. He will come to you right where you are. But then he will say, follow me out of the crap and into the life that I have for you. Amen. Think about it. He calls Peter and John. He's like, follow me. You're going to have to leave the boat behind. You're going to have to leave the business behind. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with a boat or a business. But yet he, he said, I've come to you. Now you follow me. Jesus, yes, he will accept you just as you are. He will come to you just where you are. But he has never, never, never left one person where he found them. And the idea that I can follow Jesus and stay where he found me is a misconception and misapplication of the gospel. <laughs> Do you guys remember the rich young ruler in Luke chapter 18? There was this man, we don't know his, his name. There's actually, some theologians have a theory that this was perhaps Nicodemus who actually became a follower of Jesus. We see that in John chapter 3. Um, we don't know if it really was or it really wasn't. We just know there was this rich, uh, young ruler, in other words, a young, healthy, uh, affluent, and wealthy man who comes to Jesus and says, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, well, you know, Honor your father and mother. And he kind of gives him some commandments. And this man's like, I have done really good at denying all those things. And then Jesus says, well, one thing you lack, sell all you have, give to the poor. 
Here's what Jesus said. You've done really good denying all those things, but you haven't denied yourself. There's something that has a hold on you. And isn't it true that sometimes things that are hard for other people to deny, it's easy for us to deny. And sometimes it's, it's easy for us to deny things, but hard for them. And isn't it great God is so personal that he really, think about this, he cuts to the core of the issues because if we're not careful, we'll say, well, I can give up all those things. I just wanna hold on to this. And here's the message of the gospel. He's coming for the thing you don't want to give up. Because when he said, you'll have no other gods before me, he really meant that. And you're not going to make an idol out of something that really means that much to you. And so with this rich young ruler, Jesus is like, you have the desire to follow me, but can you deny yourself? Desire isn't enough to be a follower of Jesus. Desire has to bring you to a place where you're willing to deny the things that get in between you and God. Where you're willing to deny the things that you crave, that you want, that you find hope in or security in, the things that you run to. That, are you willing to lay those things down? Are you willing to deny? Desire's not enough. It's got to lead you to denial. And not only that, it's got to lead you to the third thing because it gets worse. Are you encouraged yet? Praise the Lord, it's about to get worse. Because if, if I desire to follow him, it's got to lead me to denying myself. And then Jesus didn't stop there. If you think about it, this, this verse Jesus gives us, it's grace-filled because he knows the plan he has for you. He knows the purpose he has for you. He knows his power and how he can work in your life. And he knows how he created you and what he created you for. And he's trying to get us there. Like, don't lose your life. Let me save it. Remember, that's the context. But he didn't start with, if any man wants to, that's desire. He said, then he's got to deny himself and everybody knows what's coming next. Then he has to take up his cross. Here's what he said. Desire has to lead you to denial. Denial has to lead you to death. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Pastor, I just want to thank you for this encouraging word. Well, I told you, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge all of us. Because, you know, truthfully, what, and, and this is something for, we've talked about as a staff, we've talked about as elders. We're called to make disciples, not church attenders. We're called to make disciples, not Instagram followers. We're, we're called to help people follow Jesus, not just follow us on social media, which you need to, but it's not the same. And, and the church has got to get back to making disciples. And I'm going to tell you something else. When we talk about the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples, that's, that's the calling that's on our church. Do you know what you are called to? There's two things you're called to based on the Great Commission. This is not in my notes, but we're having fun today. You are called to become a disciple, and you are called to make a disciple. Do you know how you'll know when you're a disciple? When you've made one. And we have people that have been saved 100 years, or maybe not quite, but you know what I'm saying. In churches, have been saved for so long, they've never made a disciple, never led anyone to Christ, never led a life group. I'm not hating on them. I'm saying what, what's happened is the leadership of the church has not come to the church and say, let me explain again what we're here for. Let me tell you again what we're here for. We're here to be followers of Jesus and disciples, which means there has to be a commitment in my life to becoming a disciple, and I have to commit my life to making disciples. Like, 
you know, to me, when, when people get, we, let's say this in a nice way. Like one of the easiest places to make disciples is children's ministry because they're sweet. <laughs> They'll love you, right? And, and, and I think sometimes the reason people don't sign up to help in children's ministry is they think it's child care. No, it's discipleship. Right now, children are being discipled. Your children are being discipled by wonderful, faithful volunteers who are serving God, who are connected to purpose, and they're discipling children on the other side of the building. I'm just saying, when we realize we're called to make disciples, that can look like a lot of different things in a lot of different ways. Because when I said, you should make a disciple, there are probably people, I don't know how to make a disciple. Well, you could lead a group. You could get involved in children's ministry. You can get involved in student ministry. You can lead a crew in student ministry. I mean, there's a lot of ways we can make disciples. I'm just bringing us back to the concept that, remember, what it means to follow Jesus. He's saying, hey, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be my follower, followers make followers. Found people find people. Save people, serve people. These are values. So here's the good news. Jesus says, you want to be my follower? You got this desire for forgiveness and fulfillment and for peace? Great. Deny yourself. You're like, okay, that's hard, Jesus, but I can, I'm going to deny myself. He's like, good, now die. I never forget early on um, in the church, Paul, one of our elders at that time, um, I was going through something really, really hard, and he was praying with me about it. And I never forget when he came to me, he said, you know, Marty, I think the reality of what I've come to is God wants you dead, and you're not dead yet. I'm like, well, praise the Lord. Because, <laughs> you know, truthfully, when you, here's the thing you need to understand. When you say, I want to follow Jesus, he's going to give you an opportunity to deny yourself. And when you say, I want to follow Jesus, he's going to help you die. He, he, wants, he wants you to die. This is the most encouraging message I think I ever could have brought. But he said, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Do you know, theologically, you, you have to understand this. This is Paul's teaching in Romans chapter 6. Um, the best news that I could give you today is you can die. That, did you know this is the good news of the gospel? I don't, we, we, we categorize it as no. This, this is the problem with the modern day church. We want a resurrection without a cross. We want all the power of the resurrected life without ever going to a cross, without any death. But part of the, the theological truth of the death of Jesus, Romans 6 says, because he died, I can die with him. We are united with him in death. Why? So we can be united with him in resurrection. That, that according to Paul's teaching in Rome, let me just kind of encapsulate the part of it I need you to understand. Until I die, I am married to the law and the law condemns me constantly. And there is no freedom from the condemnation of the law unless somebody dies, and the law will never die. This is what Paul teaches. Romans 6, Romans 7, and then we get to Romans 8. And so here's what Paul said, but because Jesus died, I can die to the law. And having died, then I can be free to live for God. I can be free to experience grace. 
I can be resurrected. Listen, if you want to be a new creation, that's great, but you got to die first. Jesus didn't come to improve you. He came to kill you and raise you again. Are you with me? He didn't come to, to make you just a better you. He came to make you a new you. And so, so dying is actually good news because I can die to the law that holds me in condemnation. I'm free then to experience the grace of Jesus, but I can also die to, to myself and to my desires and, and to all those, all the, all the, the Bible calls it the old man or the sinful nature, those things that take me back into a way of living that there's really no future in, no hope for, not going to work. I can die to all of that. The, death is actually good news when we're talking about it in this context. So here's what culture says. You do you. Here's what Jesus says. You die to you. You do you, boo. Jesus is like, no, that's not the gospel. You do you is not the gospel. You die to you is the gospel. I want to show you this text in context, Matthew 16, because any text without a context is a pretext. A lot of what I see on social media as far as people talking about Scripture is a pretext, meaning it's out of context. And when you don't have context with your text, you get to make up something, and that becomes a pretext. We don't want that. But when we're talking about this, did you notice, you may not have noticed when I read it, look at this, Matthew 16, 24, we read this together a minute ago, but I just want to look at the first word of verse 24, then, then Jesus. So there was something that prompted what we just read, because then Jesus said to his disciples, anyone desires to come after me, let him take up his cross. So what is the context that this particular verse comes out of? Well, in Matthew 16, it's, it's another pivotal moment in the story of Jesus because it's the epiphany or the revelation that Peter has. So Jesus had been ministering in Galilee. He then takes his disciples north to Caesarea Philippi at the foot of Mount, some say at Hermon. I think technically it's Hermon is the way it's supposed to be pronounced, um, but some call it Mount Hermon. So however you know it, that's the mountain. It's the highest one in the Middle East. It's cooler there. It's a little more private. Jesus takes them after ministering in Galilee. He takes his disciples up there and he asks them this question. Now, who do men say that I am? You remember this conversation? Because nobody gets it right except Peter. Come on, Peter. Let's hear it for Peter. My man, right? How many have a Peter personality? Peter was always talking when nobody asked him to. This is the one time he gets anything right. This is me. This is how I live, right? You know, chopping ears off Peter. Come on, somebody. How many have a Peter personality? Right, Peter, when Jesus is walking on the water in the storm, and Peter's the one that says, Lord, is it you? When P Jesus had just said, don't worry, guys, it is me. Peter's response, Lord, is it you? Jesus out there on the storm walking. I think Jesus stopped like, what did I just say? Then Peter, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. Peter's not smart. If Peter had been thinking, I mean, it's a raging storm. We're talking about walking on water. Nobody walked on water up until this point. If Peter had been smart, he said, Lord, if it's you, tell John to come to you right now. 
But how many know what it's like to talk and then think? <laughs> Welcome to my world. So this is Peter. But this is the time that Peter gets it right. Because they say, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah the prophet. You know, I mean, all these weird answers that were, you know, impossible to be. And then Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And I love what Jesus says next. He said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, Peter. In other words, Peter, you had to have some help. <laughs> you know, you didn't come up with that on your own, Bubba, you know. <laughs> I love it. But, it, but, it, but then, after that conversation, just a few verses before verse 24, when it says, then he told his disciples, if you want to follow me, take up your cross. Verse 21, it says, from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And what we know is, is they missed this. Because he's telling them that, that he had to go to the cross. They totally missed it. And look what Peter says. And Peter took him to side. Now, you know, you got to remember, Peter's feeling pretty confident right here. Right? Because, I mean, he was just renamed the rock. Right? So Peter was like, you're the Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus is like, ding, 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 ding. So good, Peter. I'm going to name you the rock. And I think Peter's walking around, I'm the rock, boys. I'm the rock. I'm the rock. Lean on me if you need to, boys. I don't worry. I got this. The rock. So when Jesus starts talking about he's going to die, I think Peter says, "Hang on, boys. I got this. I'm the rock. Let me talk to him." Because obviously he's he's gone a little left on his theology here. We got to straighten him out. And Peter comes up and takes Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. You got to be feeling like the rock. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, Peter, bro. Again, anybody know what it's like to talk and then think? And he said, and I just, I don't know why, but Peter to me is a fisherman, and so I always want to make him East Texan. Far be it from me. <laughs> Far be it from you, Lord. This should never happen. In other words, you're not going to die. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Satan? I thought I was the rock. That's a bad day, friend, when you go from being the rock to being the devil in one day, in just a few moments. Get behind me, Satan, for you're a hindrance. You're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Why did he tell him that way? Because Peter was advocating a crossless Christianity. He didn't understand it, but he was telling Jesus, you don't have to die. And Jesus is like, if I don't die, you can't die. If I don't go to the cross, you can't go to the cross. And you've got to go to the cross. You've got to die. That's, that's the good news. That's how you experience freedom from the law and from condemnation and from sin. The way you get free from the law and condemnation and sin is you have to die so you can be resurrected and you're proposing that there could be Christianity without a cross. And I'm telling you, that's something that's familiar to Jesus in this moment because he goes back to Luke chapter 4 where Satan offered him lordship and rulership without a cross. He said, oh, if you want the world, just bow down to me. You don't have to go to the cross. You bow down to me. 
And, and, and Jesus rebuked him because he's like, no, 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 no. Because if I don't go to the cross, if I don't die, they can't die. And if they can't die, they can't live. And if you've never died, you're not alive. That's the truth of the gospel. There is no Christianity without a cross. Colossians 3.3 says, For you died to this life, and your real life was hidden with Christ in God. Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives within me. Galatians 5.24, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified or have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in in step with the Spirit. This is the issue of lordship. It's dying to the rulership of your life. When, 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 um, and you know this because if you think about the way Jesus was crucified, remember he had to carry the cross beam of his cross. Remember this? Why? Because, now this was a Roman thing, but those who had committed crimes had rebelled against the rule of Rome. So the last act they had before being put to death was carrying the instrument of Rome that would kill them. It was, it was this act of complete submission to the authority they had rebelled against. So when Jesus calls us to bear our cross, he is asserting authority over our life and assuming that we will lay down the right to rule our own lives in complete and absolute submission to him. Now, here's the tricky part, because Paul tells us in Romans 12, we're, we're actually living sacrifices. I don't know about you, but living sacrifices is harder than being a dead one. Now, think about this, because if I physically you know, died, I'd be dead. But trying to live every day and die every day, see, dead sacrifices don't try to get off the altar, But living sacrifices, if we're not careful, something to catch our eye, catch our heart, catch our desire, and we'll jump off the altar and chase it. This is why Paul said this. He said, I die daily. This is what it means to follow Jesus. I'm a living sacrifice. Every day, I make the decision to live for me or to live for him. I make the decision to die or to not die. I make the decision to stay on the altar or to chase something else. But what Jesus calls us to He's taking him over the cross. Jesus calls us. He's saying, hey, if you desire, you deny. If you deny, then you die. Here's the fourth one. I got to tell you this one quick. And then there's direction. Desire, denial, death, and direction. Because here's what he says. If you desire to come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and then follow. That word follow means to walk the same road as or to learn from. To walk the same road as. Fernando, will you help me? This is my friend Fernando. He's an Eagles fan, but I don't hold it against him. Hey, who's going to win, Eagles or Cowboys? (laughs) He won't say. Okay, come here. Fernando, you're going to be Jesus. (laughs) It's finally your moment. Yeah, you go home and tell Taylor. Like, I'm Jesus. Okay, let me tell you three things about following Jesus really quick. This would be fun. But first of all, I want us to understand there's a difference, and I want us to understand this key difference. When it means following Jesus, that means I follow Jesus. It doesn't mean Jesus follows me. 
right? Because I, I think in our culture, I'm listening to people talk, and I'm listening to people talk, and watching social media, and I think we've gotten this confused. Because I think it's like we, come, we like Jesus reveals himself to us, and we're like, here's Jesus, never mind his eagle. You are like, <laughs> do they pay you? Are you an influencer now? I mean, what are you doing? You should be. Good Lord. <laughs> Praying for you. Um, but... <laughs> Is Jalen going to play? Yes. He is? Yes. That's going to make a big difference. Yeah. Are there any other Eagles fans? Okay, we have starting a support group for y'all. Um, <laughs> but I think sometimes, you know, Jesus reveals himself to him, and then he says, he, you know, he, he, says, he says, here I am. He's like, Jesus, I want to follow you. And, and then we're like, okay, now here's where I want to go, Jesus. This is the job I want. This is the life I want. This is the money I want. This is the personal relationship that I want. Now, Jesus, I want to go over here now. Jesus, you come over here. Now, Jesus, right over here, I've made a big mess, Jesus, because I acted a fool. And Jesus, you clean this mess. Oh, you know what, Jesus? We got to go this way. And I think all of a sudden, Jesus has become an additive, like flex seal to our life, like he's going to fix it, keep it from leaking, you know, that kind of thing. Like I'm adding Jesus to my life. I'm going to put a piece of jewelry on. And, and now Jesus is going to follow me around the rest of my life and make everything better, Jesus, because that's your job. Make me successful because that's your job. This is how I want to live. This is the life I want to live. This house I want to live. This is the thing I want to have. This is the way I want to live. Now, Jesus, come on, do it. And here's what Jesus says. Say, follow me, and you just take off walking. See, Jesus walks, and we're actually supposed to, okay, Jesus, where do you want to go? Jesus, now, where are we going? He may tell you, may, oh, we're going this way. Okay, this is where we're going now. I'm following you, Jesus. Like this. Now, Jesus, don't start juking me out, Jesus. Don't juke me out, Jesus. Easy now. But the, but the, <laughs> that's all right. That's okay. We're having fun. <laughs> it's my sermon, Fernando. It's my sermon. All right, <laughs> but the point is, the point is, I follow Jesus. Jesus doesn't follow me. That when I, this is what happens. I desire to follow him, so I have to deny myself. Then I have to take up my cross, which is that submission to the lordship of Jesus. And then I say, okay, Jesus, wherever you want to go, you lead. I don't make any decisions without you, Jesus. I don't get in relationships without you, Jesus. I don't change jobs without you, Jesus. I don't make my budget without you, Jesus. Like, I don't parent without you, Jesus. I don't do my marriage without you, Jesus. I'm going to, however you lead my marriage, that's how, how you lead my, my, my family, that's how, where you want me to work, that's where I'm going to go. How you want me to spend, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Here's the second thing it means to follow Jesus. It's following Jesus. And you kind of saw this because juking Jesus got ahead of me. <laughs> but Jesus, Jesus changes the direction of my life. This is the whole concept of repentance. Like I was going this way, and then all of a sudden Jesus said, no, let's go this way. And it's like, okay, well, now I'm following Jesus. Here's what I'm saying. If you're following Jesus and nothing about your life changed, you're deceived. You're not following anybody. If, you're, if you said, I follow Jesus, and it didn't change the direction of your life, you didn't follow Jesus. You tried to add him in. Right? 
No, following, now here's the great thing. As a bonus point, Jesus changed the direction of your life, but Jesus also changed the trajectory of your life. Because when you follow Jesus, everything gets better with Jesus in the middle. I'm not saying it's going to be sugar plum fairies and oopaloopas or whatever. I don't know. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is when Jesus is really at the middle, he's at the center. There is peace. There is joy. There is hope. There is purpose. So he changes the direction of my life, but he also changes the direction or the trajectory of my life. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And then here's the last thing. We saw this. Okay, Jesus, I'm going to follow you again. Take off. Easy. But, <laughs> but when I'm following Jesus, look at this. This is not passive. This is aggressive. This is active. Because I think some people say, hey, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. Now take off. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. No, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. I followed Jesus back there in 1984. I remember it like it's yesterday. Preacher said, anybody want to follow Jesus? I said, I want to follow Jesus. I want Jesus to make my life better. And Jesus, it's, and, and truthfully, you look around, you're like, now where'd Jesus go? I thought I was following Jesus. Here's what I'm saying. If you're following Jesus, it means you're moving because Jesus is never still. He is always leading. And so if you're following Jesus, that means, okay, it's, it's not passive. I don't passively follow Jesus. It's, I don't just say some prayer and wait to go to heaven. That's not being a Christian. Being a Christian is following Jesus. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Y'all give it up for Fernando. <laughs> So, <laughs> you're a mess, Fernando. Um, but here's my point. Are you following Jesus based on the way he defines it? Not, not what we'd like it to mean, but the way he explains it to his disciples. If, if you're a disciple, that means you're desiring to follow me. You're denying yourself. You're taking up your cross, and then actively you are following me. This year for our church is all about discipleship. So, so when you look at our app and you look at the things that, that we have coming up, we put in a lot of discipleship opportunities because we want to make disciples. We're called to be them, and we're called to make them. Does that make sense? So that's why I want everyone in a life group. So when we kick off life groups in about a month, I want everybody in a life group. That's why when we talk about first step, which is coming up, you've never been to first step, I want you to go to first step. This year we're also offering core, which is just some core truths about following Jesus, Christianity, and the Bible, and those type of things. So we have core, we have freedom, marriage workshops. I mean, we have so much guys' tables. These are all opportunities to grow in our faith and, and be followers of Jesus. Prayer meetings. <laughs> All of it. Serve team, that's a part of following. So this is my challenge to you. What is your active plan to be a disciple this year? What is your active plan? Like we're starting 21 days of prayer and fasting. Are you going to start that with us tomorrow? Are you going to decide, get with God? God, what do you want me to give up for the next 21 days? Or so that I can spend more time with you? Are you going to join with us at 6 o'clock and pray? Are you going to 
go to first step, you're going to join a life group. I mean, these, what is your plan? I want you to be a disciple. Why? Because I want God to change the direction of your life, but I want God to change the trajectory of your life. I want God to change the direction of your family, and I want him to change the trajectory of your family. I want him to change the direction of your finances. I want him to change the trajectory of your finances. I want us to be disciples together, and that requires an active plan. So when you're looking at the information we put in your hands, we didn't do that because our team was bored. We did that because I said, I want to help people follow Jesus and live Christ-like lives, which is the most successful and fruitful life you can live. Jesus calls us to be followers. This is what it means to be a follower. I'm saying, let's be followers based on the way Jesus defines it. Amen. Come on, you can give God praise. Why don't you stand? But I'm serious. I want you to make a plan. I want you to decide right now. Decide right now I'm going to go to core. Decide right now I'm going to go to freedom. Decide right now I'm going to get in a life group. Decide right now I'm going to join a serve team. Decide right now I'm going to pray for 21 days and, and fast for 21 days. We have resources online the great thing I love about our resources this year, every day there's scripture, prayer focus, and there's a family moment. So you, you can take your kids with you on your 21 days of praying and fasting. There's what to talk with your kids about. You can read the scripture to them, but all that's available on the app. But, but here's what I say. Let's actively, actively, let's be disciples. Can we do that together? I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come. And today, we want to pray for anyone who has a prayer need, whatever that need would be, we want to pray with you. But before we do that, I want us to bow our heads and take just a moment and, and ask God what He's speaking to us. And so, God, we do. We turn our hearts to you in this moment and just say, God, what, what are you saying to us? Would you do that just where you're at, just really quickly? God, what are you saying to me? God, what are you saying to me? And just listen. And God, I pray you'd speak to every person. Every person. God, help us to follow you. And with our heads bowed, we're just listening for God to speak. No one's looking around. I just want to give an opportunity, whether you're online, whether you're in the room. If you need to start this new year off, in a relationship with Jesus and you're not sure, you're just not sure. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're not sure if you have a relationship. Maybe, maybe, as, we, maybe as I was talking, you're like, you know what? I had the desire to follow Jesus, but I don't think I've been following Jesus. And I want to start this year saying, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus His way, just as we talked about. Then I want to pray for you. I never call you out, never embarrass you, anything. Maybe you're here, maybe you're like, you know what? I need to be forgiven. I need life. And want to be a follower of Jesus, and if that's you, I want to pray for you. Would never, never embarrass you. No one's looking around, but if that's you, when I count to three, I just want you to lift your hand up, and it's really to God, not to me. And you're just saying, God, here I am. I want to follow you. I want a relationship with you. I want to be forgiven. I want to start this year as a new creation. So if that's you, I want you to lift your hand. Ready? One, two, three. Just lift it up. Yeah, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. God bless you. 
love it. God bless you. And if you're watching online, lift your hand up. Even if you're in the living room of your house, just lift your hand up. You can be laying in bed. Just lift your hand up. God's there. If you lift your hand up, and, and then I want to pray with you. And, um, and it's not so much the wording, it's, it's the heart. The Bible says we believe in our heart that Jesus the Lord, we confess with our mouth to the glory of God the Father, then, then we are saved, essentially. Romans tells us this. So I'll give you some words, but you can use your own words or you can pray along with me. But if you lifted your hand, pray along with me, whether it's your words or mine, but from your heart, say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died and rose again. You did that to forgive me and you did that to make me new. I wanna live for you. I wanna follow you the rest of my life. So come into my life, change me, save me, forgive me, deliver me, and help me to live the life you created for. Thank you, Lord, that in this moment you're making me a new creation. All things, old things are passed away. All things are becoming new in Jesus' name. And God, I pray for all of our church, help us to be active followers. Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen. Come on, give God praise, everybody. Now listen, if you, if you lifted your hand and you want a relationship with Jesus, even though we prayed together, we as a church, we want to help you be a follower of Jesus. So I want you to come and just talk with any of these safe people along the front. Say, hey, today I prayed that prayer. What do I do now? And we'll help you. Or if you need prayer for anything, you come and we'll pray for you. Everybody else, we say a big God bless you. I love you so much. I will see you next weekend or tomorrow at 6 for prayer. I'd love to pack it out. God bless you. We love you. Hey, Pastor Marty here from Pathway Church. And I just want to say thank you for joining us. And I want to encourage you to get connected and stay connected. And there's several ways you can do that. Number one, you can download the Pathway app and we are all the time offering resources and information on that app for you. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you do, make sure you click the bell so that you never miss any life-giving and life-changing content as we add it to the channel. And then also, uh, make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook. Look, our hope and heart for you is that you walk in the purpose for which God made and created and redeemed you for. We love to connect people to purpose. We thank you for giving us this opportunity. And if you're ever in Longview or you are in Longview, I'd love to invite you to join us in person each weekend. Listen, I pray God's best for your life. I believe if you follow Jesus, your best is ahead.